Dear God, uncertainty reigns in our world. Things that seemed so stable, so secure are now gone. But your word, Lord, it stands forever. Help us to hear your word today. Work in our hearts and minds by your spirit so we might know the truth and the reality of the things that are to come. Help us to be prepared. Amen. Uh, Now, a few years ago, I made the terrible mistake of showing my kids a trailer for a new movie. I think it was the Minions movie. Uh, They'd seen Despicable Me 1 and 2, and they'd watched a few Minion short films on YouTube. Uh, They'd been singing Minion songs incessantly. Uh, So, you know, I figured they'd be keen to see a movie trailer, a movie that was coming out in the future. Uh, I was just kind of having one of those, uh, you know, lazy parenting moments where I was trying to keep them entertained just for a moment while I kind of whipped out my phone to show them this trailer on on the phone of this movie. Uh, Now, they loved it, uh, but it was actually a terrible mistake. See, at the time, Lucy, our daughter, she was about four, and she loved the short movie, but she was gutted that that it didn't last very long. Only two and a half minutes. She wanted more. She wanted it right there and then. But Isaac, he was about six. He understood that it was a preview, but he couldn't work out why he couldn't watch the whole movie right away. You see, the trailer, it ended with the words, coming soon. Uh, But Isaac, he wanted it now. And for a child of that age, six months is an eternity away. It may as well never be coming. Uh, Now, in our first four weeks of the COVID lockdown, we've been uh, looking at the Bible and we've been seeing the hope that God promises, even during dark times like now. And it's been uh, a bit like watching a movie trailer. Uh, We're getting a a sneak uh, peek, a glimpse at what is to come, a teaser of the wonderful life that is to come for those who trust and follow Jesus. Uh, And we've seen that uh, Jesus Christ, he brings a glorious eternal hope. Uh, A time is coming when all our trials and struggles are gone. They'll be replaced with an imperishable life. And it'll be in a new restored creation where there won't be any more sickness or death or disease. There'll be no disasters or disappointments. But there's a lingering question. And the question that remains is, when will we get there? When will that time be? Uh, But the message uh, for today's passage is that glorious new creation. When is it coming? Well, it's coming soon. And the passage uh, we're looking at, it tells us, four important truths about that new creation, about, about that world that is to come. The first is it'll be inevitable, it'll be sudden, it'll be inescapable, and it will be compelling. Uh, the first and perhaps the main point of 2 Peter chapter 3, that passage that was read for us, is that the coming of the new creation, it is inevitable, it is certain. Now have a look there in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now, I want you to see there in verse four, where is this coming? He promised the he there. It's Jesus. The the coming that Jesus promised uh, was the, the promise that he would come back again in the future. And now Christians often call this Jesus' second coming. Uh, The New Testament actually never calls it his second coming. The New Testament refers to it as his coming, his arrival, his appearance. And it's often uh, treated uh, in the New Testament as an official word. Uh, That's why some people uh, in their translations will have it in inverted commas. Uh, It's kind of an official word to describe the 
the, the official or state visit of the emperor. Uh, that when the emperor came to town in all his glory and with his massive entourage and there were trumpets blasting. It's like when Aladdin comes into the city uh, up, to the, up to the castle to see Princess Jasmine. All the pomp and ceremony. Uh, Jesus promised that one day he was going to do that. Uh, not with the elephants and the genie, but one day he would visit. He would visit in all his majesty and in all his power and in all his glory. And he isn't just going to come and appear. He's going to come and visit. He's not going to just knock on the door. He's going to come and visit and stay. And 2 Peter 3, uh, this future appearing of Jesus, it's going to be all linked with the coming of that new creation that we've heard about already. Uh, when Jesus, when King Jesus appears, that will be the defining moment in history. And it's the defining moment in history for this reason. The window of opportunity to get forgiveness from God will be closed then. God's final judgment will fall and this present creation that we, we know so well, it will vanish in a roar and a new creation will replace it, says Peter. Uh, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. Uh, back in verse 4, we've still got the question, where is this coming he promised? You see, there were some people in Peter's day, as there are today, that were of the opinion that this coming is not going to happen. Jesus is not coming back. And you know what? These day and age, you've got to have some sympathy for that idea. I mean, life has been going on for us for years and years and years since Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, it, it's, it's understandable to think, why all of a sudden is that going to change? Uh, a few years ago, the Associated Press uh, did a survey that found that one in four Americans thought that Jesus was coming back. Uh, and in response to this survey, uh, a Canadian journalist said this. Uh, he said this, I know that I run the risk of offending millions of people with what I'm about to say, but I don't care. The fact that one in four Americans, a full 25%, believe that Christ will return to earth in a second coming with trumpets and angels, it's absurd. It borders on ridiculous. Uh, a bit later, the reporter, uh, the, in the report, the journalist said that to believe that Jesus is returning, he said it's certifiably, certifiably insane. Now, there's no guessing what, uh, that... Uh, this journalist would happily align himself with the scoffers there in verse 4, the scoffers who say, where is this promised coming? But the Apostle Peter, the author of this part of the Bible, he actually believes it is a sure thing. It is a sure thing because God is in control. Now have a look at verse 5 there. But they deliberately forget that long ago God's word, by God's word the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. You see, uh, we're not in control. Um, that's one of the lessons we're all learning at the moment, isn't it? I remember those days where you could just get in your car and, and go out for a drive wherever you wanted, uh, where you could just go see whoever you wanted. Remember the feeling of being in control? Uh, but now... Not so much, uh, not the control of our own lives that we thought we had before. Uh, but Peter's point here in verse 5 is that that sort of thing doesn't happen to God. God doesn't find himself locked down by a coronavirus or by anything else. And the reason is, is because God is the one who is in control. God made the heavens and the earth just by speaking a word. And so nothing is going to stop God from keeping his promise about the future. God is the one who brings the future into being. 
I was reading the book of Job a little bit uh, earlier on this week, and it tells us that uh, everything from the placement of the stars in the night sky to the rising of the sun in the morning, right down to the feeding of wild birds, God is across it all. He is in control of it all. And Job's conclusion is, God, I know you can do all things. No, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And so when God says Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And this kind of takes us full circle to where our series began on looking at the idea of hope. We started with the hope of Israel. And the hope of Israel, it was grounded in the very character of God himself. Their hope was that God was good. Their hope was in that God was faithful, that he was powerful. And it's in this character that gives us certainty that what God says about the future, it's actually going to happen. And look, it it, it shouldn't be a surprise. God's actually done this before. Look there in verse 6. Verse 6, By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. You see, Peter's pointing out that God has already judged the world. He's done it before with water. And now he's, uh, he's talking about Noah and the flood. And so when it comes to questions about whether God will judge the world, Peter is saying he's done it before. If he's done it before, why would we think that he's not serious when he says he'll do it again? See, it's certainly going to happen. It's inevitable. Jesus will come. A new creation will be ushered in. Judgment will be handed out. And it's certain because of the consistent character of God. And it's certain because of God's powerful word. He is the one who is in control. And mind you, the fact that it's certain, uh, that won't stop it from being sudden unexpected have a look there verse 10 but the day of the lord will come like a thief a few years back too would be bank robbers were concerned that the the branch they were going to rub wouldn't have enough money when they arrived uh, so what they did was they they called ahead they they called the bank and they told them they're on their way and they told them to get a bag of money with a hundred thousand dollars in it ready for them to collect now you'll never guess what happened uh You'll never guess who was waiting for them at the bank as they arrived. Uh, The police were there to take them away. Uh, They telegraphed their intentions. But it won't be like that with the coming of Jesus. And it's actually one of the few things that the Bible tells us that Jesus himself doesn't even know the timing of it. You see, in the mystery of, of Jesus becoming man, it's one of the things that he humbly, submissively gives up knowledge of knowledge of. God the Father alone has the knowledge of when this is going to happen. Which is why you've got to be very suspect of anyone who thinks they've worked it out. Uh, If you meet someone and they've got it all sorted, they've got all the charts and the plans and the predictions and the dates, and they know exactly when Jesus is coming, if that's the case, be very wary. You see, even Jesus doesn't know, so how could they? Uh, But here in 2 Peter 3, the reality is uh, not the when, Uh, but we're being told that it is coming, that it will happen. And so if the Bible were a movie trailer giving us a glimpse into the future of of what is to come, the new creation, the resurrection from the dead, the final image on that trailer, it's not a date, it's not coming in summer or coming in spring, but coming soon, or perhaps more accurately, coming anytime, because that's what the New Testament stresses time and time and time again. Jesus is coming, and it could be any time. Now, I'm conscious that that's not what's taught in lots of uh, Christian circles. Uh, There are some Christians out there who have very elaborate ideas of all sorts of things that are going to happen before Jesus returns. 
Uh, and there's the, uh, they, they think that maybe there's this big bad antichrist who's going to come. There may be something like a one world government. Uh, there's a rapture or a tribulation or a thousand year reign of Jesus. I'm sure that with the coronavirus, they're all kind of working their charts out again. Now, if you haven't heard of any of that before, then blessed are you. Uh, because actually, I think that a lot of those ideas, uh, they lend themselves more to people's imaginations than a sober reading of what the Bible says. Because what the New Testament stresses time and time and time again is that this could happen any time soon. And you see, the Apostle Paul is on the same page uh, as, as what uh, Peter is on. Uh, hear what he says to the Thessalonian church. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. You see, what's Paul's conclusion? What's to, we're to be alert, we're to be ready, we're to be waiting for Jesus' return. And we're to be ready because this will be an inescapable event. I hear these words in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in them will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? The many small Pacific Island nations are expected to be the first casualties in rising sea levels because of climate change. Uh, Kiribati uh, is anticipated to go underwater in the next 50 years. It's a tragedy. Uh, Now, the president of Kiribati has been asking the world for help uh, for his people because within their lifetime, their country won't exist anymore. Uh, He said this in an interview. He said, we need to plan for the day when we no longer have a country. I know it is painful, but I think we have to do it. Now, the Apostle Peter is telling us we need to plan for a day when none of us will have a country. We need to plan for the day when all will be disappeared in a roar. And did you see the emphasis in those verses? It's all encompassing the heavens, the elements, the earth. And just in case we missed it, it says, and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, says Peter. You see, when Jesus comes to usher in the new heavens and the new earth, we're not going to have to worry about missing it. If you pop out for a moment, you're not going to come back and wonder what happened. You see, this is going to be a massive cosmic scale event that will affect everyone you know and during which everything you know will vanish in a roar, says Peter. And so if you're thinking that this somehow doesn't apply to you or that this is just a matter of opinion... The Bible is really clear. It cannot be more clear. Jesus is coming. There is no avoiding it or escaping it. And he will come with a final judgment, ushering in a new creation. And we'll all have to stand before him. There'll be no exceptions. And in that single definitive moment of history, it'll be either two things. It'll be for you either inexpressible joy or indescribable terror inexpressible joy or indescribable terror. So we need to be prepared. Which leads us to our final point. This, this is a compelling event. And what I mean is that um, if ever there was an event that compels us to be ready for it, it's this one. Have a look at what verse 11 says again. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And then verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. 
Now, we do not need to be more clear at this point. Peter is um, urging his readers to be holy and godly and spotless and blameless, not because that's what will earn them a place in the new creation. No, our place in this new creation, it's been reserved for us by Jesus. It's been reserved for us by what Jesus has done on the cross. And we thought about that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus was the perfect priest who offered the perfect sacrifice to present us perfect to God. And so when Peter's urging them to make every effort here to be godly, it's not in order to earn a place in that new creation. It's so that they might never fall away from Jesus. It's so that they might never turn their back on Jesus or drift away from Jesus because he is the one we must rely on. He is the only safe place, safe way to secure a place in this new creation. You see, back in his first letter, uh, Peter makes it clear how we can be secure how we can secure a place in this new creation. He says this in 1 Peter, speaking of Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You see, Peter saying Jesus has died for our sins. He has taken our punishment so that we can be ready. We can be prepared on the day that he comes. And that, ine- that day coming, it is inevitable and it will be sudden and it will be inescapable and Putting your trust in Jesus, that is the only way to be ready. Trust in Jesus is the only way that that will be a day of joy rather than a day of terror. Now, if you at the moment are not someone who trusts in Jesus, Peter says that today is the day to do something about it. The time we've got in hand, whether it be another thousand years or just a few minutes, this time now is the time of God's patience. Is the time of God's patience so people can be saved by Jesus. Have a look there in verse 8. Verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, it's a bit of a 2,000 years since Jesus' death and resurrection. And to some of us, that seems like a really long time. But it is not a long time to God. In the, you see, in the scheme of eternity, it is the mere blink of an eye. And so God is not slow in sending Jesus back. God is not slow in ushering this new creation. Time, it doesn't matter much to God. But people, that's what matters to God. And God is merciful. And he is holding off Jesus coming. And he is holding off on the bringing of the new creation so that people like you and me have the chance to be ready for it. Uh, now, in lockdown, uh, one of the things that we've been doing a fair bit with our kids is we've been playing hide and seek. Uh, now, kids can be notorious for counting uh, really fast, one, two, three, four, five, so, uh, counting really fast so they can catch you before you've had a chance to hide properly. Uh, Peter is saying God is not like that. God is not interested in catching out as many people as possible. God is actually interested. He's in the business of saving as many people as possible. Now, if we can get our heads around this, if we can get... If we can understand that this is the reason why God is delaying things, it's so that people would be saved. If we realize that, what do you think he might want us to do during this time? Do you think maybe, maybe God wants us to be telling people about Jesus? Do you think maybe uh, if you don't yet follow Jesus, that, that this time is the time he wants you to be putting your trust in Jesus? Do you think maybe that this is the whole reason why Jesus hasn't come back yet? Well, the apostle Peter thinks so. He thinks that's why it is so people can hear the warning. On the 30th of December last year, a doctor shared with some medical friends 
that people who were being treated in his hospital had a strange new virus. Uh, he shared uh, on a chat with um, his friends some examination reports and some CT scans and said, you should, be, you should be careful. Just be a bit more careful until we work out what's going on. Uh, four days later, the police came knocking on his door and issued him with an official warning for making false statements on the internet. They threatened him with jail if he did it again. It would be almost a month before the warnings were taken seriously. And tragically, uh, that was about the same time that Dr. Lee died from the coronavirus that he was warning the world about. But here's the thing. Dr. Lee, he did the right thing, didn't he? Even though he was repressed by the police, which proved a disaster, disastrous, he did the right thing, didn't he? Even though some thought he was silly or alarmist, he did the right thing. You can't sit on something that is serious and not say something about it, can you? Let's be clear, Jesus is coming back. The new heavens and the new earth are on their way. It is inevitable, it is inescapable, it will be sudden. Surely, if you know where safety is to be found, if you know where real hope is to be found, if you know about the salvation that we have in Jesus, then surely you've got to speak up about it. Surely you want to do all that you can so that those around you, so those you love, will be found spotless and blameless and at peace with God. Now, if you're someone who's not sure of what to say, can I urge you to use the tools at your disposal? Invite them to Jesus here. Get them a book. Uh, invite them to church. You see, we're convinced that the only hope in this uncertain world, the only hope in this uncertain world is found in Jesus. Because in Him is forgiveness and relationship with God and a new home and a future in God's new creation. And this is the time of the Lord's patience. Come to Jesus. Bring others to Jesus. As Peter says, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with Him because the Lord's patience means salvation. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that your, your patience means salvation. Lord, we pray that given that Jesus' return is certain, that it is unavoidable, uh, that it will involve us all. We pray that many of us, we pray that all of us will come to faith in Jesus and find safety and joy and a future in Him. And Lord, for those of us who do know of the hope and joy that is in Jesus, give us the words to say. Give us the urgency. Give us the desire to share this hope, this safety, this security that we have, to share it with those that we know. And we pray, Lord, that you'll work by your Spirit to use this time of your patience to bring the salvation of many people. And we pray all of this in Jesus' great name. Amen.